If we're going to study Luke chapter 13 today, it's my goal as a, as a pastor that every time you read the Bible, you stop listening to me and you start listening to God. The Bible is God's word. So let's just pray real quick before we dig in and pray that you can transition your hearing from my voice to God's. Heavenly Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. And we ask today that you would take your words in Luke chapter 13 and speak them into our hearts. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed here for those watching online. If you just take a deep breath right now, and if you would try to clear your heart and head from any voice, any noise, but God's voice, the Holy Spirit's noise today, ask God to speak to your heart through today's Bible text. God, we know that every time the people of God study the word of God, the spirit of God has a megaphone into our, into our heart and into our life to speak to us. So God, I pray that today you'd speak to us. Show us how a tree without fruit can challenge our faith and teach us how to grow. That's our prayer. And we ask it today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Luke chapter 13, we'll read the first nine verses. It says this, now there were some, there were, now there were some present at that time, circle those two words, that time. I'll come back and tell you about that time in just a minute. Who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifice? Jesus answered, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. Or those 18 who died when the tower of Siloam fell on them. Do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but he did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now... I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree, and I haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year. I'll dig around it. I'll fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then I will cut it down. We're in the 10th week of a series we've been in all summer called The Parables of Jesus, trying to read these stories and learn the heart of God through parables. What is a parable? We've said it every week. Uh, The word parable is a Greek word made up of two words, parabolo. It means to lay or throw or place alongside of for the purpose of comparison. A, A parable is this earthly story that can be revealed to have a spiritual meaning. It's an earthly story that you lay alongside a spiritual truth so the spiritual truth becomes something you can see with your eyes, not just your heart. But Jesus would teach in parables so that he would identify people who were looking with their hearts for spiritual truth. Last week, we were in the parable of the Good Samaritan with Pastor Ryan. Like a good neighbor, I will be there. An incredible message from Pastor Ryan. This week, we're in the parable of a barren fig tree. We're going to try to learn this week how a tree without fruit can help us dig deep, dig deeper into our faith journey. We have two goals to try to accomplish that today. Here's what I'm hoping as we study this parable, you will be thinking. Number one, I'm hoping you'll be thinking this. I need to honestly evaluate me spiritually. That's what I'm hoping you're thinking as you sit here this morning. I'm hoping that you're thinking, you know what? It's August, seven months of the year have gone by. We're more than halfway through 2019. It's time for me to honestly evaluate me a little bit spiritually. Before we jump into this parable, at that time, Jesus was talking to the people of Israel, and he said, you need to learn how to judge your own heart and quit judging everyone else. I see that you're able to identify where everyone else is struggling spiritually, but you need to learn how to kind of how to kind of study your own hearts. And the people said, oh, like the people in Galilee? And Jesus said, stop worrying about them. 
Stop worrying about the people in Jerusalem. Stop having your eyes focused on the problems of the world and get your eyes focused on your heart. It's time to learn how to evaluate me spiritually, how to evaluate yourself. So my goal today, you may often sit, and I hear people that do, that listen to a message and they come and say, Pastor, that was such a great message. So-and-so needed to hear it. No, you need to hear it. If you're sitting in the room today and God has this message for me to preach, it's because you need to hear it. You need to evaluate you spiritually. And then number two, I want you to find out what's feeding your roots. Because as you look at your life spiritually, you're going to realize what's on the surface is coming from what you are feeding yourself with. What can be seen on the surface of your spiritual character reveals what's really feeding your heart. What can be seen on the surface of your spiritual character reveals what's feeding your heart, the source of your spiritual strength. So how are we going to accomplish those two goals? Same thing we've done for the last 10 weeks. We're going to ask two questions. What's this parable? What's this story? What's it supposed to teach us? And then what, what's the point? What's the parable? What's the point? Question number one, what is this parable? Today's parable lays out two things side by side to compare them to each other. Parabolo, a comparison. It lays out letter A, how a tree without fruit receives patience and care today. That's really, really important. If you're taking notes, circle the word today. Underline the words patience and care. We're going to learn how Jesus is constantly, day-to-day, working on people who need to grow with great patience, with with great care. If you're alive today, you've got patience and care as Jesus works on your life, but ultimately, you've got accountability and judgment in your future. We're gonna see a story about a tree that says, let's take a little more time, but ultimately, it's gonna be judged by its fruit. And we're gonna learn how that should guide us in interpreting the impact of our faith, and even help us understand our steps towards growth. How does this tree, God's attitude towards this tree, the end result of this tree, the vineyard's kind of care and concern for this tree, what does that teach us about Jesus? What does it teach us about ourselves? How can we grow spiritually? As we look in this parable, we're looking for parallels. We're told that a parable lays two things side by side and says, look at how these are the same. So we're trying to lay this parable out and say, what is the spiritual truth? Four things we learned today. Number one, We see that Jesus is looking for fruit in our lives today, not just a faith promise in our past. When you talk to a lot of people who claim to be followers of Jesus and say, tell me why you're a follower of Jesus, they will go back in their past and give you a day that they gave their heart to Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I'm not going and picking up the tree and trying to find its birth stamp underneath it. I am today looking for its fruit. Jesus said, when I look at your life, I'm looking today for your fruit, not just in your past at some decision. A preacher named Paul, 2,000 years ago, started churches all over the Mediterranean basin, would say this about spiritual birth and spiritual impact. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul would tell the church at Ephesus, it's by grace that you've been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourself, it's the gift of God. It's not by works so that nobody can boast, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Leave this on the screen for just a second, if you would, guys. Paul said, listen, you are not saved by working spiritually. You're saved by placing your faith in Jesus, and even God gave you the faith to do that. It was his gift to you. However, You are saved unto good works. Jesus has some things for you to do. He has some fruit for you to bear. So listen, we are not talking about works by salvation. We're talking about confirmation by fruit. We're not saying you can be saved by your works, but we're saying your salvation can be confirmed by your fruit. And the lack of fruit could mean, could mean 
a lack of salvation. Because Paul says those who are saved by faith through grace, they end up following Jesus and they do the works that he's called and created for them to do since the beginning of the world. Jesus says, I'm showing up in your life and I'm not looking for the day that you gave your heart to Jesus. I'm looking for the work in your life today. Work today will prove salvation in your past. 20 years ago, I was getting ready to start my final football season at Liberty University. I was getting ready to start my second ministry season as an intern at Thomas Road Baptist Church. And all the college kids, when we got back for the year, were sitting around and everyone was introducing themselves to each other before we started this year of small group ministry with these 300 middle school kids. And one, one of the guys, a new guy there who had not served previously, introduced himself. He was going around the circle. He said, hey, my name's so-and-so. I'm from Pennsylvania. Um, and he said, I came to Liberty to, to play football. Played tight end in high school and came to Liberty to play football. And I'm on the football team now. And, and uh, you know, I play tight end. Daniel's laughing because she remembers the story. As the guy said that, somebody in the circle said, hey, then you should know Christian. He's like, he, he plays on the football team too. And his face just went pale white because I had never seen him before in, in my life. And I mean, we'd been practicing for a month. Maybe he was just holding out for a better contract. That might be how they do it at uh, you know, Oklahoma and Ohio State, but it wasn't how they do it um, at Liberty. And the guy's face went white. And after we finished introductions, he came over to me and, and just was falling all over himself saying, listen, I, like, I, like I, I was getting recruited by Liberty in high school and I was planning to play football in college. And then I hurt my knee and the rehab didn't go well. So they couldn't give me a scholarship. So I didn't end up playing, but I was planning to play. And that was my goal. And I'm here and man, I like, I shouldn't have said that. And I was like, listen, I'm, I don't care. I'm, I'm not going to tell anyone like, Hey, you know, well, welcome to the team or the ministry or whatever it is um, that you do. But he, he found himself in a lot of shame and embarrassment because he had committed and planned to do something that because of everyday experiences he, he couldn't do, but he claimed he was something that he wasn't. You know what I see as I look around church today? I see too many people in the church who have a spiritual plan in their past. They plan to do something. Spiritual excuses in their present. They can't do it right now. And spiritual punishment in their future, according to Luke chapter 13. Yeah, I raised my hand. Yeah, I got baptized. Yes, I planned to commit my life to Jesus. Here's why I cannot do that right now. I hurt my knee. And it's been more difficult than I thought getting over my knee injury. So I planned to do this, but right now I can't. But, you know, I kind, I kind of still identify this way. And Jesus looks at this tree and says, no, it's not the plan in your past. It's the pursuit of today. It's the fruit in your life today that tells me your roots are sinking into Jesus. You say, Christian, that sounds harsh. I didn't say it. Jesus did Luke 13, 7. God steps into this vineyard. And he says, for three years now, I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree. How many years did Jesus do ministry between his baptism and his crucifixion? Anybody? Three. For three years now, I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree. He's talking specifically about Israel. And I haven't found any. Cut it down. Cut it down. Why should it take up the soil? Unless you begin to grow. Jesus says you're going to be cut down. You're going to be proved not to, to be part of his unless you begin to grow. The good thing is if you're listening to this message today, you have time to grow. If you're listening today, the good news is you have time to grow. This parable teaches Jesus is looking for fruit in our lives today. Not just some faith promise of what we mean to do in the past. But if you're here, you have time to grow because number two, Jesus' patience is for your spiritual potential. 
We see in this parable, God is the owner of the vineyard and he comes to the keeper of the vineyard and says, cut it down. But Jesus here is represented as the patient farmer and God says, cut it down. And Jesus says, wait, I'm not done with this tree yet. God may step into the auditorium today and look at your faith promises of the past, but your excuses of the present and say, cut it down. And Jesus says, wait, I'm not done with them yet. Wait. God, wait, I'm not done with them yet. Jesus' patience is for your potential. Look at the gardener representing Jesus in Luke chapter 13, verses 8 and 9. The gardener speaks to the owner. He says, sir, leave it alone for one more year. I'll dig around it. I'll fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then you can cut it down, but give it a little more time. You know, I meet so many people like me who watch the news and see what happened in El Paso. 20 dead, dozens injured. See what happens an hour from my hometown in Dayton last night, overnight, 10 killed, dozens injured. And I think, Lord, when are you going to come back? Like, I think I'm ready. I, I think I'm ready. I'm watching this world. I think I'm ready. Come now. And every now and then God says, that's a little selfish, Christian. Because if I come now, there's a whole lot of people who aren't bearing fruit yet, who if they have one more year with Jesus, then their life might be radically changed. The Apostle Peter put that scenario this way in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. Peter, speaking to the church who was annoyed at God for not returning and just ending all the madness, said this, The Lord's not slow in keeping his promises, some understand. Slowness. He is going to come back. He is going to rescue you. He is going to judge wickedness. However, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. You see, the only reason we're not all sitting in heaven right now is because there's one more person at least, that needs to hear about the gospel of Jesus. And maybe the reason we're not sitting in heaven yet is because you need one more year with Jesus to finally dig in spiritually and produce some fruit. Jesus' patience is for your spiritual potential. Number three, say, how's that happen? Number three, Jesus' spirit is going to dig into your life through your heart, through conviction. That's what the spiritual word's called. If you'll let him in order to produce spiritual fruit in you, number three, Jesus' spirit will dig into your heart through conviction. If you'll let him, if you'll surrender it in order to produce spiritual fruit in you. I've been waiting on this past week for a long, long time. My son turned 18 on Wednesday. That's not why I've been waiting on this week. Football started on Thursday. Like there was an NFL game. It's a fake game, but fake football is better than any other real sport. Um, was on TV Thursday night. And people like me go into a mini depression from the end of the Super Bowl to the start of the Hall of Fame game. There's just not as much to enjoy in life. And when football starts again, it's like, it's back. Danielle even watched me watching the game and just said, I like you better when you're watching football. Like, amen to God be the glory. I mean, I, like, I love football. And training camp even started a little before that. The Chicago Bears actually have their training camp um, at Olivet Nazarene University where my dad is the athletic director and he used to be the head football coach. So my, my dad is around this, this NFL game a lot. And the first years they started coming when he was still the head football coach, they gave him a pass that gave him access to all their practice stuff. And they had lots of different passes that they gave out. They had a pass that had little words on it and, and these words would be circled. You know, one was media access. You had access to the media area. One was um, autograph access. You had access to the autograph. One was to the player's parking lot. You, you could have access to the parking lot or the locker room, um, you, you know, or, or a field pass. And then there was a pass. There were just two words, no restrictions. No restrictions. And if no restrictions were circled, you'd go anywhere. Like dad had a pass that allowed him to stand on the huddle in the field if he wanted to. 
And I ask them, could I use that pass for a day? <laughs> and will they give me some pads to just run one play um, with the team? No restrictions. Let me ask you a question. What does the pass you've given Jesus to your life say? Does Jesus have a no restrictions pass to your life? Jesus, you have my heart. Jesus, you have my head. Jesus, you have my beliefs. Jesus, you have my anger. Jesus, you have my past. Jesus, you have my future. Jesus, you have my my money. Does Jesus have a no restrictions pass to your life? Because if he does, he'll change everything. The problem is not that Jesus won't work in some areas of our life. It's that we've given him a past that does not give him permission to be in that area. And Jesus will change you through conviction. This week on the Activate podcast, I talk about what conviction feels like. But only if you will surrender your life to him. In John 15, Jesus said, here's how I do it. He said, I'm the true vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off. Every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, he cuts it, so it'll be made even more fruitful. Jesus will step into your life, and he'll begin to cut. Have you ever had a paper cut? It's awful. It's not deadly, but you feel it. Conviction is like a paper cut. When you, as a follower of Jesus, start living in an area, leaning in an area, believing something you shouldn't believe, you get just a little cut of conviction of God saying, hang on. That is not where I want you to go. That is not how I want you to think. That is not how I want you to live. But only if you give him surrender and no restrictions pass to your life. And then number four, Jesus will always work in your life through your roots. You say, I want to grow. How do I grow? It all starts in the roots. In Isaiah chapter 37, verse 31, Isaiah speaking to the people of Israel 700 years before Jesus was born said, here's what it's going to look like. When Messiah, when the Savior comes, here is what it's going to look like, a mixture of roots and fruit. Once more, a remnant of the kingdom of Judah, followers of Yeshua, the Messiah Jesus, will take root below and bear fruit above. Here's what it looks like for people who are following Jesus to be transformed. They get their roots deep and their fruits impactful. It's a great parable. I mean, it really is a great parable. What can be seen on the surface of your spiritual character reveals what is feeding your spiritual roots. Great parable. What do we learn from this parable? Four things. If we review it real quick, what is this story just teaching us spiritually? Jesus is looking for fruit in our lives today, not just a faith promise in our past. We are not saved by our works, but our salvation is confirmed by our fruit. Jesus' patience is for your spiritual potential. You say, I don't have much fruit today. You're not dead, which means God's not done. Start feeding the roots. Jesus' spirit will dig into your heart through conviction if you'll let him in order to produce fruit in you, and Jesus will always work in your life through your roots. Great truth, what do we do with it? Good lessons. How's that gonna impact what we do do tomorrow? What's the walkaway factor? If I never say anything at church on Sunday that you can use on Monday, please find another church that will. Because we are not just like a Sunday celebration church. If I can't say anything today you can use tomorrow, find a church that will help you do that. Because we want to give you application. What is the point of this parable? Great question. Question two, what's the point? There's three of them. Point number one, your roots produce your fruits. Your roots produce your fruits. So how many of you grew up in church? How many of you were in church before the age of eight? Raise your hand. Anybody? 
How many of you sang a little song like this? Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. Oh, be careful, little hands, what you do. Oh, be careful, little feet, where you, right? Yeah, because the Father up above is looking down in love. So like, be careful how you're living your life. That little song, if you know that song, you know all you need to know about feeding your roots. One of the most confusing books in the Bible to read if you don't understand the context and the picture of Jesus through it is the book of Leviticus. It's where Moses kills a bunch of stuff, scatters a bunch of blood, and teaches the people of Israel how to worship God. In the process of doing that, he's anointing the priest who will stand before God, Aaron and his two sons. And it says in Leviticus 8, he does something that you read right over and you think, ooh, that's gross, until you understand it. And it says this, here's how Moses anointed Aaron and his sons. Moses slaughtered the ram, and then he took some of its blood and put it on the lobe of Aaron's right ear. Touch your ear if you can imagine spreading blood on your ear. On the thumb of his right hand, you can imagine that, and on the big toe of his right foot. Then he brings in his sons who are going to be priests. And he puts some of the blood on the lobes of their right ear, on the thumbs of their right hand, on the toes of their right feet. You say, what in the world is Moses doing? That's crazy. I would never want to be a priest if they had to spread blood on me. What is he doing? He's anointing their roots because your fruit comes from your roots. What are the roots of your lives? You could jot these down on your message notes, your ears, your thumbs, your toes. You say, what do those stand for? Letter A, what enters our mind? You see, Moses would anoint the ears because he knew what entered the mind would drive the heart. So Moses said, let's redeem what enters our minds because what enters our mind drives our heart. Let's redeem our thumbs because what our hands participate in, the activities that we participate in, they shape our lives. So let's redeem the hands and let's have redeeming activities because the activities we participate in, they really shape our life. And then let's go ahead and redeem those toes because our feet are what put action to the direction of our lives and the direction our lives pursue is ultra important spiritually. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. Oh, be careful, little hands, what you handle. Oh, be careful, little feet, where you go because your roots produce your fruits. Do y'all have a favorite emoji that you use? Laughy face, sad face, mad face. I went back on my phone. I've got a favorite emoji. It pops up. Every time I go to text somebody, I use it so often it pops up. It's the thumbs up. This is like my all-time favorite emoji. If you have ever texted with me, you have gotten this from me. Thumbs up. I usually make it a little darker because I like to think that I'm tan, but that is my favorite emoji. Thumbs up. Got it. Because I'm always confirming things. Hey, are we good to go? Are we good to go? Are we good to go? And when people say we're good to go, it's like thumbs up. Got it. Let me ask you a question. This week, here's here's my challenge for you. This week, Every day mentally this week, if you would give yourself a thumbs up or a thumbs down spiritually, what would what has entered your mind be this week? Thumbs up, thumbs down spiritually. Closer to Jesus? Probably further from Jesus. If, if, if you were to give a thumbs up or a thumbs down spiritually to everything you did this week, all the activities you participated in, thumbs up? All of them really were beneficial spiritually. Thumbs down. Some of them kept you from getting close to God. If I, if I were to ask all the places you went this week, even on Friday and Saturday night, thumbs up, 
Good for you spiritually? Good direction? Thumbs down? Bad for you spiritually? See, this is not hard. This concept of roots producing fruit is not really hard. It's just stopping with everything that enters our mind and says, hang on, thumbs up or thumbs down. Good for me spiritually, bad for me spiritually. Activities I participate in. Here's what my calendar looks like. Here's what my social calendar looks like. Thumbs up, thumb down. This is going to help me spiritually or hurt me spiritually. The direction and purpose of my life. Here are the goals for the next five years in my life. Thumbs up spiritually or thumbs down spiritually. This is not that hard. We just have to learn how to get to the roots and feed our spirit. We also, number two, have to identify what's choking our roots. If we look at our lives and say, wow, there's not much growing in me or on me spiritually, we need to ask what's choking the roots. Why are my roots not being fed? Why is my mind not being fed? Why are the activities of my life not being fed? Why is the direction of my life not feeding my soul? And then, then we have to might, might do an accounting And then we might have to make some changes. We have to dig around. We have to find, listen to me really closely, especially for those of you who are in here who are consider yourself, you would consider yourselves Christians, listen really closely. We have to find the Christian sins that are keeping us from growing spiritually. Like we all know the worldly sins. We love to to talk about those, probably judge people for those. They're very easy to see. But the Christian sins, those are dangerous. Those will choke your roots. Say, what are Christian sins? In Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19. We see what I call Christian sins. They're inward sins. Here's what Solomon says. There are six things the Lord hates. Seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. I call those Christian sins. can't see them. You hear them, you really feel them, Christian sins. Those will choke the roots of your spiritual life and keep the Spirit of God from flowing into your heart. See, the, mo- the deepest and most dangerous sins really don't reside in our actions, they reside in our hearts. They are, letter A, how well we think about ourselves, how we put everyone else down. Well, if everyone were more like me, if everyone thought more like me, if everyone knew what I knew, If everyone loved God like I love, God says, be careful. That Christian sin is going to choke my spirit. Let her be how we use our words to harm others. Christians are really good at this. Remember, Christians don't gossip. We just share prayer requests, right? But if we share prayer requests, it's like, please don't tell them I shared this prayer request to you. How we use our words sometimes to harm others. Christian sins, those inward sins. Very dangerous spiritually. And then let her see how our hearts and our lives real subtly create conflict in relationship. God says, I hate. Let me say it real clearly. You say, what's the Hebrew word for hate? Hate. God says, I hate. I hate people who go around and stir up conflict in community. When you keep hearing Billy says, when you hear Billy says from six different people, well, Billy said, stay away from Billy. Right? Because God says, Billy's not healthy. Now, I'm not talking about, if you're in here and your name's Billy, I'm not talking about you. I just picked a random name. But you got to watch out. The people who always say, when you hear three people, five people, seven people say, well, so-and-so said, you might need to stay away from so-and-so because they're struggling with a Christian sin that's choking the spirit in their life. Identify in your life what's choking the roots. And after you've dug around your spiritual tree of life, number three, learn to use fertilizer. 
After you've dug around your life, learn to use fertilizer. You say, what does that look like? It looks like this. Once your roots get exposed, you need to feed them spiritually. You say, what do, I, what do I feed? Ear, thumb, toe. Be careful, little eyes. Be careful, little ears. Be careful, little hands. Be careful, little feet. Because the Father up above, he's looking down in love. So just be careful what's feeding your soul. So how do we feed our roots? Let me give you a few ways. How do we feed our roots spiritually? Letter A, by what enters our mind. We feed our roots by what enters our mind. I listened to a podcast in my time away that was just focused on discipleship and how people grow spiritually. And every study that's been done the last hundred years says this, by far the most important discipline in becoming a disciple of Jesus is daily time in scripture. The number one thing and number two is not even close to growing, script, to growing spiritually is every day putting scripture into your mind. Daily time in scripture. It's the number one way to grow. Number two is not even close you have to feed your spirit. When I was younger, my parents let me watch a movie called Little Shop of Horrors. Anyone familiar with this movie, Little Shop of Horrors, the one with Rick Moranis in it? Um, go ahead and show the pictures, guys, if you would, just to kind of jog your mind. I was not allowed to watch The Simpsons because my mom and dad didn't want me to tell the bus driver to eat my shorts, but I was allowed to watch Little Shop of Horrors, which was about this this animal that ate people, this, this plant that ate people that like scared me to death, that would keep me up at night, that would keep me from walking past a field with really high weeds, just in case, just like I crossed the street and didn't cross a, 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 a gutter in the sidewalk after I watched the movie It, right? like childhood fears. And this little guy was a scientist who had built this plant, Rick Moranis. And you guys remember his name in the movie? Seymour. And remember what the, the plant would say when he would walk in? Feed me, Seymour. So he'd bring people in and he'd feed them to this plant. It was awful. You should not let your children watch shows like that. It's not good on their mind. Feed me, Seymour. You know what we need to do as Christians every day? We need to wake up. We need to open the word of God and we need to say, feed me scripture. Feed me scripture. I want to grow. I want to be strong. I want my mind to be strong. I want to be more like Jesus. Open up your Bible and say, feed me scripture. And then begin to eat Study, meditate on the word of God. How do we feed our roots? Let her be. By what, by what activities we participate in. By what we're handling with our hands, blood on the right thumb, your hands will impact your heart by what activities we participate in. I'm not gonna give you a list of things not to do. It's too many. And some of the things probably you could do too much and it would be bad. And if you don't do them that much, it's not bad at all. Instead, I'm just going to give you four things to do. These four things to do. We find them in the book of Acts. It's how the early church grew in its influence and its impact and its spiritual growth. At our church, we call them the four E's. What activity should every Christian participate in that wants to have strong roots? Number one, experience worship weekly. You got to get in church. You got to get in church. You got to get in church. If you're not here, you got to watch online. On August 25th, we're starting a series called Foundations, why you can trust the word of God. Some of you in August and September will be at Chiefs games, other things. You'll, you'll watch online. You'll catch all six weeks of the series. It'll be great. But here's what you need to know. That six weeks, our children's ministry is kind of going old school mixture of Awana, Bible quizzing, memorizing scripture, handing out Bible bucks. We're going to have a store. We are making a special edition J Kids Bible, paper Bible. Because I've been talking to our team and, and a lot of the kids that go to our church don't have Bibles. 
And we are going to give every Sunday that the kids are here, they're going to get a point. Every Sunday that they memorize their verse, they're going to get a point. Every Sunday that they bring a friend, they're going to get a point. Every Sunday they can find a verse in the Bible, they're going to get a point. And on October 6th, we're having a huge pizza party with me, and I'm going to award Bibles to our elementary school students and say this little special edition with a J Kids cover by the Bible is the most important thing like you can ever have in your life. And we want you to know that. Some will be at the Chiefs game. I'll, I'll just watch after. Your kids can't watch. Don't drop off your kids and then go do something less important at church and then come pick them up just so they can get their Bible. But let's lean in. Let's lean in on Sunday. Let's try, let's try to get here. Let's try to get our kids here. Let's try, to, let's try to make Sunday special. Number two, embrace serving. You were made for a purpose. Ephesians chapter two, verses eight through 10. You were born spiritually to work spiritually. God's got stuff for you to do. Get engaged, get serving. Number three, engage in spiritual community through small groups. I've not seen it evidenced any place in scripture that you can grow spiritually and reach your full impact without having a group of people around you. Can't find someone in scripture who did it. Adam, Adam had the perfect world, perfect experience, even had contact with God, but he, but he was alone. So even God had to give him spiritual community, get in a group. And then number four, equip yourself with a spiritual growth plan. Where are you? Where do you need to move? What conversations do you need to start having to wrestle your way through faith? How do I feed my roots? You have to participate in activities that grow your soul. And then letter C, the direction your life pursues will feed you spiritually. So here's what I want to challenge you. We'll do it all week long this week. But every day of every week, here's my spiritual challenge for you. Do one thing every day that counts for eternity. Do one thing every day that counts for eternity. Go look over your calendar last week. How many things did you do last week that will make a difference for eternity? Do one thing every day. One conversation every day. A little time in the word every day. Do one thing every day that counts for eternity. Because like we saw in El Paso, like we saw in Dayton, this world is not guaranteed. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. And if we don't start working for eternity, we are wasting our time. Because it's coming. It's coming. Patience is potential to grow, but it's coming. So let's understand that. And then let's dream on this question. This is a really good question to think about. Businessmen, businesswomen, it's a really good question to think about. If everything in your life works out perfectly, what's that mean for your spiritual legacy? Like if every dream you have in your life is fulfilled, what's that mean spiritually? Most people I talk to say, I don't really dream about leaving a spiritual legacy. If everything in my life worked out perfectly, no debt, live in a nice house, grow old with my wife, have grandkids. Like I've got this big dream for my life, but I've never thought about how my life is like it's supposed to count spiritually. If you will do that purpose, purpose will drive growth. When you think here's the reason I think God put me on earth. And if my life works out perfectly, here's what that's going to mean for the world spiritually that will feed your roots. And every day you will wake up wanting to succeed, not for yourself, but for what God has called you to do. You were born spiritually to grow spiritually, to make a difference spiritually and to have fruit. That's what Ephesians two says. How's that going for you? Can you see your faith by the fruit of today or do you just have a promise in your past and excuses in your present and restrictions on your savior? Today's about learning to evaluate the condition of your spirit 
learning what's necessary to grow, and doing it. Learning the condition of your spirit, learning what's necessary to grow, and then doing that. Will you do that? We pray with me as we consider that. Heavenly Father, every head is bowed, every eye is closed. God, we ask you to speak to our hearts. We told you we'd listen to your voice before this message started. So heads are bowed and eyes are closed, but hearts are open. What did God say to you? What's the condition of your heart? What do you need to dig out? What do you need to feed? What are you going to do about that? God, help us to evaluate ourselves clearly today. To see fruit that needs to grow and sin that needs to go. God, we want to commit to give you a pass with no restrictions to our lives. Trim what has to go. Feed what has to grow. Thank you for your patience. That is for our spiritual potential today. Help us to develop strong roots and deeply impactful fruits. Bless the ministry of our church and our community this week. Let them see Jesus through us. God, we love you. We ask these things today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen.